0: All right. Uh, before we uh, get into our class tonight, and uh, we're going to be in First Timothy uh, chapter four in a moment, uh, we thought it might be good to uh, pause for a moment and pray for Marvin. Uh, we certainly have been keeping Brother Marvin in prayer, uh, especially the past few months. You can certainly see that his uh, his health is not what it used to be, uh, and so well, let's let's just keep him in prayer. And anybody else we need to keep in prayer before we. Uh, Go to God in prayer on behalf of Brother Marvin. Yeah. Oh, yes, Ron Drum. Uh, Thank you very, very much. Uh, Many of you uh, probably know Ron Drum. He's one of the elders uh, down at Henderson Boulevard. His wife passed away suddenly uh, just a few months ago, just going in for a simple procedure. Uh, But he today actually had open heart surgery. Uh, found out this morning he had blockage, and they, they immediately took him in for surgery. I, did you hear how the surgery went? I, I haven't heard either. So uh, I'll try to follow up with Ralph uh, or uh, Bob Dunn and and see if we can get an update. But that's Ron Drum. So he's one of the elders. Many of you probably know him. Just a super nice guy and done a lot of good work down there in Tampa. But let's keep uh, Ron as well as Marvin in our prayers. So you mind leading us in prayer, Mark?
1: Let's bow. Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you to be listening to us and letting us come to you with thanksgiving, but also requests. Tonight, specifically, we have requests for Marvin. We've known Marvin practically forever, and he's been such a wonderful influence and person of this congregation and one who is committed to doing well, and doing right, and committed to helping others, and we love him dearly, and we're asking you now to be with him especially This apparently could be a serious matter, and we ask you to um, have your hand with him. Have your hand with those who are taking care of him. Uh, If this is, in fact, a brain bleed, may it be limited uh, to the best of their abilities, and Marvin being able to Recuperate, but we just ask a special prayer for him, and, and as well for Ron Drum, having uh, such issue issues in his life, losing his wife, and now uh, emergently being taken to the hospital uh, for bypass surgery. We ask you to uh, be with him in that recovery. Uh, sometimes this can be very serious as far as post surgery care, and we ask you to please. Be with him and be with those who are caring for him. We just thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we thank you for being our God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.
0: All right, we're in First Timothy uh, chapter 4. And uh, those of you that have been a part of this class, you know that we're actually uh, moving a little quicker than we normally do uh, in our um, online study that we've been doing on First Peter uh, so we are trying to really almost get through a full chapter a night. And if we're going to do that, then that'll get us through Second Timothy uh, by the end of this quarter. So that is that's kind of our pace uh, and our goal at this moment. But uh, we're going to spend the first 20, 25 minutes uh, just talking about and expanding on this chapter, and then we'll open it up uh, to everybody here for uh, comments or questions. So are you ready to roll? Let's go. Okay. First Timothy chapter 4. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God Is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the Word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teachings. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. All right, well, let's get into it now. Uh, To me, when you kind of look at this section, the last section we talked about, we really looked at the leadership leadership and looking at the roles of the elders, the deacons, uh, and the qualifications of those who are to lead the congregation in this matter. Now he's honing in specifically on Timothy. And and really beginning here, and for the most part through the end of the letter, it's on, all right, Timothy, here's what you need to be. Here's the role and responsibility of an evangelist. And isn't it interesting that he begins right off the bat with apostasy?
1: I think that... um Actually, to me, this chapter is on the apostasy and he's telling Timothy the things he needs to be doing to counteract what's going on with this potential apostasy. I think it's already beginning in the church. He mentions it uh, in Timothy, talking about there's a group called knowledge that you don't need to be having anything to do with at the end of uh, chapter six. Uh, Peter talks about it a few few months later, years later, mm-hmm. then John really talks about it um, 30 years later. But it all began with him talking to the Thessalonians, first book that he ever wrote. The right. Second Thessalonians, because they were concerned about Jesus coming again, and he basically had to tell him, he's not coming until the apostasy. So they had taken what he had said in the first chapter, and I think misapplied it, And I think other people may have been teaching it, and they just had given up. Life is We're going to end life. We're going to sit here every day and do nothing until the Lord comes. And so he had to say, no, that's not going to happen. There's going to be a time later on that there is an apostasy, and the Lord will not come before the apostasy. Well, now he's talking to Timothy again. This is probably, what, 13 years later? He's talking to Timothy again, who delivered the letter to the Thessalonians. So he knows about the apostasy, So I think this is for the churches that he is talking to. You all need to be prepared for a a potential apostasy. The teaching is out there already. Uh, You need to to counteract it. And so he begins to tell uh, Timothy the thing he needs to be doing, to tell them and show them that they need to be prepared for this apostasy, which obviously we know happened later on. And um, so he's preparing them
0: for it. Yeah, what well, you know? What's interesting if you um, look at all the epistles, um, we know that many of the epistles were written while Paul is about on his missionary journeys in the book of Acts, and so you could really take Galatians, drop it in there pretty quick. First and Second Corinthians, uh, even in the first journey, uh, you would see them going back in there, and so many of those epistles fit in the time frame of Acts. Uh, we're now just a little past there, so. You know, Paul's already been released from prison. He's in prison in Acts 28, so now he's been released from prison. And so it, it doesn't, it seemed to imply this is something that's coming later because even in Galatians, you had people already opposing the word. You had the Judaizing teachers, but th- this is something that they're seeing, prophesying about. It's really gonna be a, a huge break or a huge challenge in the church.
1: They're seeing little bits of it in different congregations. Yeah. Um, talking about the Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians, right here, you go to John and he starts talking about, well, we're seeing some of these Antichrists already uh, with the Gnostics. So what the Lord has prophesied is beginning to happen. And so be prepared for this. Obviously, uh, the, the apostasy that happened in the church over centuries, it was a gradual process but all of this happened because of these small little changes that people were making in the gospel. In Galatians, he said, "I can't believe you're already removed from the gospel. I, he, I've he just, just been, been there. there. I just was I've there. Just been I just entered the first I'm missionary journey. Yeah, you're already yeah. leaving the gospel. Don't do that. Even if an angel comes to you uh, and starts preaching something I didn't preach to you, he's accursed because I preached the truth. Whatever anybody else teaches or preaches." That's wrong if it's not gospel, and so they're already having to fight it.
0: Uh, can I share something a little pessimistic, but not trying to put a downer on this evening? This church isn't always going to be here. It isn't. Uh, we want it to be here. We would love for it to be here for our grandchildren, our great grand. You would love to think that the Glen Springs group in Gainesville. But I mean, even looking back on just our years upon this earth, you've seen how churches have come and gone. Uh, when I was growing up in Lubbock, Texas, the big foundational church in Lubbock, and there were so many churches, was the Caprock Congregation, and, and Grover Stevens. Anybody remember Grover Stevens, So when my na- my age there? You know, he was the evangelist. He was the preacher. Radio program every morning. Well, Caprock's not there anymore. It's gone. It, it just went the way of what many congregations do. It. It, it became a smaller group, a smaller group. Maybe the location was challenging and then things started seeping in and it changes. The, the church is not the building. The church isn't even what you may consider to be in the city. It's the people and the people who are there that make it up. And, and, and there is a change. And I, I kind of look at this. And, and when I look at this chapter, going to the verses themselves, he's reminding Timothy apostasy is reality. It, it's not if, but when? And I think it's kind of interesting the way he talks about this apostasy. He says it's coming from demons. It's coming from deceitful spirits. Uh, he, he, he doesn't sugarcoat it at all, does he? Uh, whatever is being uh, shared by men, whatever is being taught, it's of the devil, uh, in essence, is what he's saying. And, and he'll even say it's in insincerity and lies. Uh, our fa uh, the the devil, as as uh, Jesus would say to the Jews, your father, the devil, has been a liar since the beginning, uh, and he's a murderer, and he's he's going after the church.
1: You think about this. I, I really think the deceitful spirits there are people uh, who are doing sure. the teaching. We, we find in First John, he says, been "Test deceived, the spirits." Right. Test the spirits, and so that's the people who are preaching and teaching. They have a spirit of disharmony, so test that, and then it comes from demons, but when he goes on to say that your conscience has been seared, you think about that. Somebody can look you square in the eye, know that they're wrong, and could care less that they're wrong. That's basically what's happening here. They know that this is not gospel, but they have chosen to follow this, and their conscience has been so seared, it it doesn't matter. They will lie to you. So it's a hypocrisy of liars, and it doesn't matter.
0: Well, and, it, and it's evident in two ways. He points out that they're forbidding the marriage, so they're making laws that God didn't make uh, clearly, and 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 then the there's a uh, an, an abstinence when it comes to certain foods. So it's it's almost as if they're drawing laws that. God hasn't, or drawing lines that God hasn't drawn in that respect. makes you special.
1: This is is something we consider to be special because this is really testing your will. We're going to forbid that you marry. Let's just see how faithful you can be to that. And of course, he's going to talk about food here in just a minute, interestingly enough. I wish that he had written verse four for the Corinthians, but he didn't take the chance (laughs) to do that. But... um, or, and you can well, eat.
0: He, he pretty much said that when you kind of look over mm, there a
1: yeah. bit. I, I see Paul, I'll take this position. I see Paul in transition because people were transitioning, uh-huh. because you had people, you had the Jews saying, we can't eat certain things. You had the, the uh, Gentiles saying, we can't eat certain things. And so now all of these people are doing this. So he has 1 Corinthians saying, guys, this is a, this is a conscience thing. You've got to work through your conscience. Then uh, he says in Romans a little later on, he says, okay, you got to put up with this. There are some people who are not going to eat. You put up with them. You say, beloved, and there's going to be so-and-so. He's now another 20 years later, and now he's saying people have been hearing this, hearing this, hearing this. He now comes out with the emphatic statement, all foods foods are okay. And so... I think there's been that line of demarcation by him taking into consideration the thoughts and beliefs of people. And that's what he's done. That's why we have Romans 14. You, you have to put up with people and love people who may have a different opinion than you do. And one of those was on foods. Here he's saying, guys, it's okay to eat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here's
0: something interesting too. Where is the demon where is the heresy? Where is the apostasy coming from? Demons. It's Satan. Yeah, but where? From within the church. Yeah.
1: Oh, yes. These are these are so-called believers. These,
0: if you go to Acts chapter 20, and this is Paul's big warning, uh, and it, it's always the pattern. It is always the pattern. The, the challenges come from within. It comes from within. And uh, in Acts chapter 20, when he meets with the elders of Ephesus, he just says, hey, the, the wolves are coming, they, they will be there and they're gonna come from within. And, and that's that's the same warning I think he's giving Timothy and more than likely they're already there, uh, whether it's the silly myths, uh, whether it's the genealogies that we saw in the first chapter, uh, whatever has been the destructive influence is already in the church. And and Timothy, you're, you're gonna have to get a handle on this because this is going to lead to... Uh, an apostasy, and and to some degree, it's 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 it is actually it's that beginning form of Gnosticism. Now yes. we're not going to actually label it Gnosticism here, but you certainly see that if you saw our study in First John, that is the challenge in First John. That idea of knowledge, I have superior knowledge. The Spirit has spoken to me in these ways, and and this is what uh, is going to change and challenge the church from that point on. And and to me, that's probably. The big apostasy he's actually talking about,
1: and it's beginning. It's beginning gradually. I don't know if the. I think the, the ones doing the silly mess, in the beginning of Timothy, are probably. Very minor in comparison to what's really going to be coming as far as, as what people are going to be advocating in this very serious but very wonderful teachers, very glib, can convince anybody of anything. It's this kind of a person you're going to have to be very careful about and be prepared to take care of. All right,
0: let's get into the rest of it because this is the important point. This is kind of like, here's the warning, here's the challenge. Well, beginning in verse 6, I look at it as, here's what you need to do as a good servant. Here's what you need to do as a good minister to help avoid the apostasy. And I've got five things here and I'll let you mold this or shape it uh, since we haven't talked and I haven't shared these with you. But there are five points. I believe they come straight from the text. It's Paul kind of writes. I've always felt like here's point one, here's point two, here's point three and so forth. Point number one, how to avoid apostasy. What a good preacher, a good minister needs to do to keep the congregation from falling away into apostasy. Number one you got to prioritize the things that are important. Notice, put these things before the brethren. In other words, these things need to be talked about. These things are important. You make sure you keep important things first because it's going to be easy to get swept away in this carnal mindset because number two, number one, you prioritize what's important. Number two, you avoid what is irreverent or silly myths. You avoid the things that really have no value. Be very, very careful of getting swept away in things that can't be quantified, that can't be verified, uh, that you can't find factual evidence for. Just don't get lost in it. It's so easy to do. Uh, Number three, train yourself for godliness. Now, I'd like to make a point on personal training here. Take care of your body. I'm sure you will. Uh, But that's part of it. But he says, what's even more important is training yourself for godliness. Uh, And so just like you would look at somebody who is in physical shape, don't fall into the mistake of saying, well, it's just easy for them. Or no, it doesn't. No, it isn't. They've worked on it. In the same way that somebody is strong spiritually, has worked on it. It's not just easy for them. There is a training involved in that. And so Timothy, train yourself. Encourage the brethren to do the the same. Number four, set your hope solely on the living God. This is the end that we toil. This is where we strive. This is from verse 10. And, And our hope is fixated specifically on the living God. Don't put your hope in men. Don't don't put your hope in trying to look for some utopia on earth. If we can get the right person in the right position, the right people to do the right thing in the right way in our community, in our society, well, it's going to be so much better. Don't put your hope there. Because what are men always going to do to you? They're going to disappoint you. They're going to disappoint you. And then number five, this is where he gets kind of firm. Command and teach these things. Command and teach these things. Uh, He's actually telling Timothy, it's time for you to be a little authoritative. Yes. Don't don't let anybody despise your youth. You be authoritative, and this is your responsibility. Teach these things.
1: And I think the last four verses are just about that, the Mm -hmm. last thing of prescribing. Um, He goes on to say, look, you've been commissioned to teach. I think... This do not neglect the spiritual gift within you. Uh, Some have taken this, well, you can get spiritual gifts by the laying on the hands of the presbytery. I thought you could only get it through the laying on hands of the apostles. I I think that's the wrong spiritual gift here. I think this spiritual gift here is his being commissioned to teach. This This is what was prophesied. Timothy, you're going to be a minister. You're going to be a preacher. That's what we want from you. And the hands of the presbytery, probably at Lystra, I would be guess that's where it was. Basically, the elders of the congregation at Lystra basically said, "Yes, go in peace. This is we we agree with this." So, because he says over in Second Timothy one six, the spiritual gifts that are within you, I gave you by the laying on of my hands. So, I think this is probably a little different. Situation, I think this spiritual gift is his commission to teach.
0: Y'all catch that? He was talking about Lystra is his home congregation. That's where Timothy grew up, uh, and 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 that's where the commission uh, came from. Those those elders commissioned him to go. They led him to go. I, I think you could also look at uh, the, the idea that he's, he's been commissioned from the standpoint that it actually came even from Paul and others. You have yeah. a gift in you. Yes, you use this. And, and don't let this be, be wasted in your life. And you can almost make the point here and, and a good application for all of us is to go to Romans 12 and look at verses three through six. Every single one of us have spiritual gifts that have been given to us. If, you have, if you've been given means, then be a great giver. Uh, if you're a cheerful and engaging person, then be a great greeter. Uh, you know, if you're a servant and you're open to hospitality, be a great server. Uh, use the gift that is in you. And he's saying, Timothy, you you, you you have a gift, gift for yes. ministry. Yes, don't neglect that gift and and continue to work on it and 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 use what God's given you. Uh, and 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 understand that that, that you have a responsibility there. Now, I, I also find it very interesting. Give exhort or give you know, the idea of exhortation to public reading of scripture and exhortation of teaching. Um, I was doing a preacher study these past few days. And, uh, you know, every time you're sitting there in a your study, you're kind of looking at the ends of the house and things you never looked at before. And, and we were getting to this words and noticing how words, it was one, like what Gerald does often. Here's a text, you see this word here, you see it here, you see it here, you see it. You've draw it all together, you know, and you have all these notes and everything. And I remember asking the question, uh, Shane, uh, Scott was actually like doing the teaching. I said, do you really think people in those days drew those dots, you know, like we're doing and diagramming it all out? You know, do they really do it? And he said, I think they did more than we realize because they weren't looking for it. They were listening for it. And there is a difference when you sit and listen. Uh, People back then in this church, not everybody was holding the book. They had the letter, and so it was read to them. It was constantly read to them. And you sometimes pick up on more audibly if you hear it, but the point was, Give attention to that. Don't neglect it. Read it. Read it and teach it. Uh, And then the last thing here that I had is he said, watch yourself closely. Yes. You know, uh, who's prone to apostasy?
1: The one that's not paying attention to himself.
0: (laughs) All of us are. Yes. All of us are, especially if you're not paying attention to yourself. It it can happen to any of us. Uh, And then I like the three things that you have there at the end. Uh, To me, there's three powerful points uh, that he makes here uh, at the end. Uh, If you have, um, I have the English Standard Version, verse 15, I want you to practice. I want you to immerse. I want you to persist. I want you to practice, 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 I want you to practice all these things. Uh, Anybody have the King James version of that verse? It's kind of an interesting, what what does that say, Bonnie? The King James version there? Mine says practice, so we're in verse 15. Practice these things. Meditate.
1: You know, there's meditation involved.
0: It actually comes from the Greek word to take pains. In other words, extend a lot of effort. Don't, Don't be lackadaisical about this. You Practice these things. Meditate on these things. Immerse the idea. You immerse yourself in them. Uh, What does that suggest? They consume you. Immersion. You're all in. You are all in, totally absorbed. You get all in. And then the last thing, persist. Perseverance. In in, in other words, it's going to take a lot of effort. You give it all the effort you got. And you keep
1: giving it that effort. Whatever Timothy was doing, he says people could see your improvement over time if you're doing these things, persisting, uh, being painful in your process, doing these things, they're going to see a difference in you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to hear. I want to hear that they've seen your progression over time because you have persisted in your study.
0: Uh, The phrase that we often look at with Timothy is this phrase here, let no one despise your youth. Uh, I heard an interesting way of looking at this. Uh, He probably wasn't that young, but he was probably younger than many in the congregation. Uh, And I don't know anybody else is prone to this. I always think somebody younger than me is younger than me. They may not know as much, and we're always... it, it, It could be seen as the idea... Don't give them an excuse to think you act like other people your age. You know, don't, don't give them reason to doubt your maturity. You know, show you're above is a way to look at it. Because uh, we're all prone to judge somebody by their age or their experience. You don't give them a reason to doubt you is,
1: is a way to look at it. He may have been blessed with youthfulness, but then you read between the lines and some of the things he talks about with Timothy's probably was a little bit um, inward. He was he was not an outgoing person. Um, must have had some problems with medical problems. Take a little wine for your stomach's sake. So there were some things See, about little Timothy. nerves going on the there little, with Timothy. Little nerves going on. He, in he liked being side. the
0: second the second fiddle, not the first fiddle <laughs> in a situation. So
1: you know, I, I've set you into the lion's den. What I've done. I've put you in Ephesus, which is probably the biggest congregation right now, and, oh, by the way, you've got all of these smaller congregations in that area that you're basically going to be ministering to them. You're teaching this to a number of congregations, and you've got your work cut out for you. And so I think that however Timothy presented himself, he's saying, you just stay in the Word. You keep studying you don't worry about what anybody else thinks about you. You just go ahead and be yourself and study and, and be in the Word. That discipline he was talking about up there, I, I, that's interesting. We've, we've used that so many times that this is, you know, exercising and getting stronger. I, I, it's probably not terribly inappropriate, but I'm guessing that discipline, bodily discipline he's talking about there is just basically appetites. You, you have to train yourself to control your bodily appetites, and that profits some, but that's not the complete. You've got to really discipline yourself in godliness, being the person God wants you to be in any number of ways, showing your spirituality, showing your knowledge, showing all of these things. Yes, it's, it's fine for you to, be, to, to exercise along that line of, of taking care of yourself personally, but the bigger thing is showing people who you really are, and that's being a godly person.
0: Well, and, and it would certainly fit into the context here of, of priorities, keeping first things first, don't neglect the things that are most important, and and these are the things that you persist in and practice and immerse yourself in and uh, perseverance. So, yeah, great, great
1: chapter. I like your, your translation in chapter in verse 7, which took the heat off of where it says, with worldly fables fit only for... Sadly, in the New American Standard, and I think in the King James, does it say old women? I'm happy that we didn't have to go into that, very honestly. (laughs) I think the translation of silly is probably a better, it doesn't single out certain individuals, but I'm guessing in this period of time, um, probably those that got older were the women and they're (laughs) they just had time to do these kind of things, but it's in most of your translations. So it, worldly fables fit only for old women. So I'm just going to leave it at that.
0: Oh, yeah, I feel like you dug a little hole there. I didn't get away from you again. I wouldn't even have brought it up. I just stuck on the silly myth part. <laughs> and
1: then somebody's going to come up to you after and say, well, my translation says old women. I'll send you-
0: them to you because <laughs> apparently yours does. Mine doesn't say that. All right. <laughs> All right. You want to open it up? You got anything else you want to add to this? By the have any work questions? of a minister, we're really focusing here on Timothy.
1: That's what I want to reaffirm. That if you read modern literature, this is this is them saying, "Well, Timothy is being made uh, shown how to be a pastor," mm-hmm. and that's just not so. And so we have to understand that that that's not what's happening here. He's talked about pastors over in chapter three, uh, and he's given all those qualifications. What he's doing here with Timothy is preparing for him to be a minister.
0: Yeah, it's it's a different it's, different it's, role right. than what you see it's in a chapter different three. Role you know, we've gone from the elders now we're right. getting in. And so, so people and his misunderstand
1: of that of calling this the pastoral um, letters. This and Titus, no, these are younger men who have been sent out by Paul to minister. To preach to these congregations, now, these are the things he's supposed to be preaching. Yeah.
0: Well, and and again, the whole context here on all this is beware of apostasy. Yes. Beware of apostasy. All right. Questions or
1: comments from anyone? Yes, sir.
0: Yeah.
2: I never thought you. <laughs> when
0: you were talking, he was shaking his head. That's all I
2: saw. No, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Uh, this is a really bad chapter break here. Uh, Where and, the end of the third chapter, oh, okay, from going from three to four yeah, is a bad chapter break. Okay, uh, because chapter three ends talking about the church as the pillar, and the ground of the truth, and we confess it. And then we go into chapter four, and the it's like saying, but in the later times, some are going to depart from it. And uh, the word but is actually used in the American Standard Version, New American Standard Version there, and I think that's a much better fit. Than the word now. Okay. That's not the top beginning of a new subject, it's
0: a continuation. Continuation. So you would put the chapter break then after uh, verse five. Okay.
2: So, yeah, no, no chapter break would be even better
0: actually. And they didn't have chapter break back then, did they? <laughs> no. So, so yeah, yeah. So you'd put that in, then there were that role, and then start with the focus on Timothy and his role in verse six. Yeah, that would help. History. Yes, yes, History.
2: Um, we need not forget that as strong as we think we are in this congregation right here that things will always be that way one of the things Paul is pointing out hey things are going to happen and you need to be diligent in observing to make sure that what you have been taught stands firm in the church. Um, you look at some of the congregations that we once knew that were solid and strong in the Lord, and how things have happened within those churches over the years. And now they are nothing but a shell of what New Testament church once was. Are your shell strong? But I'm sure it's not the same as it is right now, uh, 15
1: years from now. And we need to make sure that we preserve what has been taught by Paul to Timothy. Watch out for these things. Be, be and, and you're making a good point there, Charlie. Charlie was saying we just have to continue on in, in Scripture. Well, take up with chapter five next? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, hold on. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah? It seems like always the tendency
2: is always to go another level or go something new, and that is probably what causes the most problem, is not, I can't imagine anything being more frustrating to a minister, a good minister, to not keep reminding, we don't want to lose ground. Uh, Of, of some of these churches of some of the brethren. We got that handled. So let's see, what more knowledge we can have. Well, if you lose what you already learned, then what you're trying to learn now is not going to make any sense or it's not going to be any parameters and so you're going to go wild. And so, that's the most important thing for a minister, as he, as he later says, if you're a good minister, you keep reminding. We keep doing the basics. We keep, going back and
0: building upon, but keep reminding yourself what the foundations are, and so that's why I've enjoyed the lessons about people who put or whatever, to just remind yourself, it's not one and done, because not
2: only do we always
0: have new people, but old people forget old stuff sometimes. That's a great point. The quest for new, maybe it's new for a reason, you shouldn't be believing in it and doing it. Yeah, good point. So, yes, sir.